Okay, okay, okay. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Words of the Wise, Mind Elevation with BJ. I am BJ Armstead. Now, today we got to talk about something that's uh, really unfortunate and uh, it's really discouraging. You know, it's really upsetting that we're still having this conversation um, and a conversation that really should have ended and should have came to some sort of uh, some sort of agreement, uh, if you will, back in 1865, you know, and um, it's extremely unfortunate that we still have to do things in order to be heard. Um, so, as you all know, last Monday, a man by the name of George Floyd was knelt on uh, for approximately nine minutes. I think it was eight minutes and 40-something seconds. Eight, eight minutes and 43 seconds, I believe. Um, incredibly, incredibly unfortunate incident. Incredibly sad. Um, and as a human being, what makes you think you have the right to take another human being's life? Let's start right there. I don't care if you are the father of a person or if you are, I don't care who you are. What makes you think you have the right to take another human being's life? You didn't bring that human being into the world. Even if you did, that doesn't give you the power to take his life. But they knelt on this man's neck, man. For eight minutes and 43 seconds, almost nine minutes. Not only that, one police officer was kneeling on his neck. He had two or three more holding his body down. The man was six foot six inches tall. They had they were strategic in how they were gonna kill this man. They had three or four people on his body. Two or three of them were on his lower body, well, his neck down, and one of them was kneeling on his neck. Do y'all understand this man was calling for his mother? Twice, his mother passed away two years ago. I want y'all to understand the severity, the symbolism, everything about this incident. Not only was this man killed unjustly and unfairly, this man was calling for his mother, man. This man was trying to tell people they're trying to kill me. Officer, please get off me. I can't breathe. We have heard I can't breathe before. And America did not get the message. So, in the entire week last week, we waking up to messages about George Floyd on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Yahoo, Google, every other news platform online and also the news that's on TV. We're waking up to George Floyd, right? The death of George Floyd, R.P. George Floyd. Stephen Jackson, who is really an uncle to the black athletic community right now and someone that we look to for advice, is waking up crying because he grew up with George Floyd in Houston, Texas. And um, just to see someone who's like your uncle crying and 
you know, reaching out for help is, is, is just demoralizing in itself. But Friday came around. Friday came around. For those who don't know, I'm, you know, most of my audience knows me personally, but for those who don't know, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, okay? Um, so I get in Friday afternoon, and um, I turn the TV on. My mother's upstairs watching TV. She's watching the news. I didn't know they were going to do a protest on Friday because I had been off Instagram, but... They're doing a protest, peaceful protest at that. It's around probably five o'clock, right? So I go downstairs and I I sit with my father and seven, eight, nine o'clock comes and all hell breaks loose. Here's the thing. My father has been in law enforcement since 1988. He's held almost every position in law enforcement that one can hold every position so we're sitting down there and we're watching the uh the riots happen at this point it's a riot it started out as a peaceful protest among the older generation and among the new generation but it was led by the older generation i think they marched from centennial to the capital and then had speeches about people and then they marched back to the centennial while people were holding signs having peaceful protests the whole nine and then we came in and said we done with all that. We ain't finna sit up here and be peaceful. We need to be heard. Dr. Martin Luther King, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, the great one, said that riots are the voices of those who are unheard. So seven, eight, nine o'clock comes. We have an all-out riots. The thing that struck me was. As I'm watching the riots downstairs with my father in the basement, I see that we have two different point of views. It seemed as though my father was more concerned with the people and how they were going to be arrested. I'm sitting there and I'm I'm I'm, I'm watching the people riot and test up for break windows. Set police cars on fire, uh, tagging the CNN sign and putting graffiti everywhere in sight in Atlanta. And I'm listening to my dad on the on the right side of me talk about how the National Guard should be in there and the patrolmen should be in there, squad cars should be in there, and. I just, I felt like it's not about them at this moment. It's about the people that's rioting right now. See, one thing I always believed about America is that America, you can lie to black people all you want. You can mistreat us. You can oppress us, which is the way you were cultivated anyway. America wasn't built for black people to be in anyway, because when America was born, 1776, what were black people doing? Picking cotton in the fields, in the house, getting raped by white men. I want y'all to think about something real quick, right? Now that we're on that topic of how America was cultivated. Spaniards came to America 
And um, well, I'm gonna say it because I always say this: dumbass Christopher Columbus, which is not a holiday. Christopher Columbus is the ultimate dumbass. The ultimate dumbass, literally. Uh, so ultimate dumbass comes to America. Of course, he's a Spaniard. Sp- yeah, he's a Spaniard, Spanish descent, whatever. Uh, and he sees the Native Americans in America. So he kicks them out, sends them to, my bad, he goes back to where he's from and he brings up more guys to bully the Native Americans out of their own land. He sends them down to Central America, Mexico, Nicaragua, Chile, well, that's South America, but Central and South America, though, right? See, don't get it twisted. These Central Americans, if you look at them and you look at, you look at them and you look at a Native American, there's a reason they look like twins. They got the same blood. They the same people. Same ancestors. So anyway, dumbass comes to America. And, uh, you know, he, he, he he's there. And um, he kicks them out, sends them to, sends the Native Americans to, to Central America. Uh, Because he thought he was in India. That's why we call them Indians now. Dumbass thought he was in India. <laughs> How stupid can you be? Uh, but anyway, Spaniards come. Eventually, the Europeans come, right? Spaniards leave, give the land to the Europeans. I think they either sold it to them or gave it to them. I'm not sure. But anyway, Europeans wind up acquiring the land in America. And so they say, you know what, man? We need somebody to tend to this land that we just stole. Because we too lazy to do it ourselves. Let's get that straight. People always calling African-American people lazy, but how America first started was you was too damn lazy to tend to your own land that you just stole. Uh, so what do they do? They say, I got an idea. Let's go get the people that already have math, that already have science, that already have history, already have handwriting with hieroglyphics. Black folks got the, got the, the, the first handwriting ever with hieroglyphics in Africa. We built the pyramids of Giza, according to Orion's belt in the sky. They line up perfectly with it. You know how intelligent you got to be for that? You wonder how you even build pyramids and you ain't have machinery back then? Come on, man. It's not rocket science. So anyway, back to the topic. I'm getting I'm getting kind of off guard right now, you know what I'm saying? Off topic right now, because I'm passionate about this. I, where I come from. You can't trick me with no, we oppressed, we this, we that. I, I'm a king, man. I got king blood in me, man. There's no way in hell somebody gonna tell me being African. I didn't say African-American. I said African is not the best thing you can be. Uh, so they say, you know, we, we, we need somebody to tend to this land. So they went out and they got the smartest people in the world, which were Africans. And they went over there and tricked the Africans. They had multiple ways of tricking these Africans, by the way. They tricked the Africans, which is pretty much what they do to us now by turning us against each other and capturing the Africans and putting them on the ship, bringing them over to, you know, America, the East Coast of America. If you look at the map, you see West Africa lines up perfectly with the East Coast of America. You know, 
some of them stopped, you know, and they had passages, you know, you talk about the about the, uh, the the passages that they went through, the middle passage and all of that stuff and how they traded certain things and certain people in the middle passage. So you go from, you know, uh, South America to, to the Africas to the North America and it's a cycle and they configure it however they want to configure it based off the goods that they traded for the people. You understand what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, what I'm getting to you guys is, is that America has a, a history of treating back black people a certain way. It just didn't start with Trayvon, George Floyd, Rodney King in 92. It didn't start with that. It didn't start with, with Dr. King and civil rights. It didn't start with my grandmama and your grandmama. And I mean, you know, all of us being slaves and stuff like it didn't start with that. This stuff was already a plan when America was first born. It was already a plan. 16, 19, you bring 20 slaves over here. It was already a plan. The, America planned for black people to be in bondage forever. We it was an it's an accident. It's an accident that we free now. It is an accident that we are free now. They did not write in the Declaration of Independence in 1776 that, hey, let's put something in here for black people in America because one day they're going to be free. They didn't write that. You want to know why? Because they didn't plan for us to ever be free. That's why when you go into jail cells right now, it's nothing but a plantation. Think about a jail cell right now. You got people in there wearing the same things, obeying a white man at the, at, you know, whoever running the jail, obeying guards who are really nothing but slave catchers. You on a plantation and you working for no money. Think about all of these goods we buy every day. These goods come from prisoners. They bake the bread in the prisons. And it's a whole bunch of other things that they make in food and also goods and, and, and objects and everything else that they make in the prisons make that. And they don't get paid no money. What that sound like? What that sound like? They in there slaving for no money. Sound like my great, great, great grandmama. Your great, great, great grandmama. That's what it sound like. So we've addressed the problem. Moving forward, my father always told me there's two types of people in the world, solution-based and problem-based. Uh, but moving forward... Uh, I don't believe in peaceful protesting, and I say that for this reason. Uh, that don't get you nowhere because number one, 2016, a young man by the name of Colin Kaepernick tried kneeling during the national anthem. Well, the white-owned NFL had an issue with that, and so they kicked him out the league. Now, people's arguments to that are he wasn't good enough to start anyway. Okay, but that don't mean you have to kick him out the whole entire league, though, for doing something that's right. And you too stupid to see it. The owners I'm talking about. Um, but I don't believe in peaceful protesting. Um, I think that, uh, you know, you're going to peaceful protest all you want. You're going to march all your little signs up. That's fine. Chant. You're going to be off the streets at seven o'clock and then they're going to kill somebody else. And then you go, it's a cycle. You're going to do it again and again and again and again and again. You got to put fire under people. You got to put fire under people. See, people like to bring up the civil rights movement. Well, King did it. King was peaceful protesting. He was nonviolent. 
He believed in none. Turn the other cheek. Uh, Dr. King was responsible for, well, I'm, I apologize. Rosa Parks and Dr. King was responsible for the Montgomery bus boycott that took place December 1st, 1956. You understand what I'm saying? I'm sorry, 55. Uh, because of the Emmett Till situation, the whole nine. Uh, do you know that these bus companies lost $3 million? Now, back in the mid-50s, $3 million is probably equivalent to about $3 billion right now. You understand what I'm saying? So, what does that mean? Uh, these folks who drive these buses can't feed their family because what money they're making. So now, it's a thing of you got a choice. These these bus companies got a choice. These white folks who drive these buses got a choice. Either you're going to feed your family or you're going to respect me. But you ain't finna disrespect me and feed your family. So they had to make that choice. Do you love your kids more than you hate me? Right? That's what the, that's what that's what we gotta do. I don't believe in going out here and destroying things. I don't believe in going out here painting, you know, spray painting things and breaking windows and this and that. However, let me say this as well, because a lot of people they, man, you know, they weren't they weren't gonna listen to us unless we did that anyway. Well, I understand that. I understand that. And, I, and, that, and that's that's why I'm not I'm not sitting up here blaming the people that did that. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. I don't agree with running around here tearing the city up, but I understand the amount of pain and frustration that we've been experiencing since, since before 1865, since before 1619, we were put on the, on, on the boat and traveled over here by force. I understand that. Am I agreeing with it? Eh, not really. I think it was better ways for us to be angry and show it, i.e. put people in position to make decisions, vote. However... I'm not about to stop anyone from going into a Gucci store and, and, and tearing it down. Why am I not? Uh, hey, Gucci, you, you make most of your money off black people. I don't know if y'all understand that or not. Hey, Louie, like your consumers are mostly black. Gucci was so stupid to, to discredit black folks that they put <laughs> a model on a, on a T-shirt wearing blackface. I mean, how stupid can you be? H&M, you out here got black boys dressing up as monkeys, dog. I don't know if y'all thought that was cool or not, but it's not. It's not at all. So if someone happened to break down the Gucci store or burn it down or whatever else, okay. Okay. I just want the motive and the intent behind what people are doing to be, you know, pure. Don't sit up here and go in the Gucci store and the Louis store and get a bag and steal it and wear it around town because then you're providing them free market and not everyone everyone wants the same bag that you got. Don't do that. You know? Now, my sister, Natalia, man, she is wonderful, man. She, um, we had a conversation via, fa- via, via FaceTime the other day and she brought something to my attention that I thought was very powerful. She was saying that when people are burning down these stores and they are breaking in the windows of these stores, like Linux and stuff like that, that uh, 
she would have stole a bag. And I'm like, well, why would you steal a bag when you're going to provide free marketing for that company? And what she said was, no, I'm not going to wear it. I'm going to resell it because right now, you know, people are out of jobs. They're trying to find money, trying to find food to put on the table for their kids, trying to get some water, whatever else they need. So they resell it to make that money. And then they put the food on the table for their kids, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Wholeheartedly. But understand the motive, man. And that's the thing. I, I know my generation. I know we a lot more Malcolm than we are Martin. A whole lot. Why? Ain't nobody in our ear telling us nonviolence. <laughs> if anything, it's people in our ear telling us to do our thing with the violence. And I say that for this reason. Our leaders are the musicians of our generation. Our leaders are the people we watch in these reality shows in our generation. So... When you got leaders like 21 Savage and Gunna and uh, City Girls and uh, <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? Lil Baby, you going to do what they say. So Keisha, I believe, did a great job of trying to implement the young community by having Tip and Killer Mike talk to us. And people around Atlanta. Uh, but I think that the demographic needs to be talked to by a person who is consistently in their ear. Tip is a phenomenal person when it comes to speaking in general and having a bunch of knowledge. Tip is an Atlanta legend. That is literally our Tupac. Literally. Our biggie. Whatever you want to call it. Mike is indescribable when it comes to social justice, when it comes to just being a man of intelligence in general. You know, that's how Morehouse men do anyway, but, you know, shout out to Mike with the, with the, with the Morehouse, you feel what I'm saying? Uh, but they are phenomenal when it comes to knowing what they are talking about and the 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 amount of strength, the amount of, uh, of hope and happiness that they provided for our city, and they've done it for a while. Legends in Atlanta, both of them. But when you are talking to a demographic who was born in 2001, you know, you, you might want to get somebody who's a bit younger. Mike is 45, Tip 41. You might want to get somebody who is a bit younger. Well, Tip is 40 right now. It's 2020, he's born in 80, but you might want to get somebody who's a bit younger. Listen, America has diminished the opinions of black people for a long time. They have oppressed black people for a long time. As I sit here and I watch these riots, my only reaction is, hmm, dang, that's crazy. <laughs> that's literally it, because I feel like America is now feeling the wrath of those who it was attempting to keep under the wraps. Here's the thing about peaceful protesting. Peaceful protesting is a whisper. Peaceful protesting is a whisper. Black people in America are invisible. When someone who is whispering who is already invisible, you can't see them and you can't hear them because they're whispering. They're not going to hear us unless we shout. See how I just got your attention? 
That's exactly what we're trying to do as black people. Get their attention. But the way to do it is to force that man who's oppressing us, force these police officers who are oppressing us, force these other white folks who are oppressing us, and we force them to make a decision. Do you want to feed your family or do you want to treat me right? Understand what I'm saying? You got a choice. Because you can feed your family and treat me right. But we're going to see if you hate me so much that you will risk feeding your own family. We go to the polls and we vote. We put people in position to make decisions. All right? No reason why we should be out here. You got more housing. You got more housing. Spelman students riding in the car, just trying to get some food and trying to go back home. And you got police officers ripping them, tasing through the car on the driver's side to the young man and to the young queen in the car. You got the police officers ripping the door open, grabbing this little hundred-pound queen out the car, slamming her on the pavement, and then tasing her. That just doesn't make sense. And that's unacceptable and it's uncalled for. As someone who has a father who has been a police officer since 1988, I understand every single thing that police officers go through, the stress, the anxiety, the depression. I saw it firsthand. I'm 24 years old. I've seen it for 24 years of my life. But it's gotta stop. If you know a police officer, if you have someone in your family who is in law enforcement, I would highly advise you to have conversations with them because you don't know what they're going through, especially the African-American police officers, because they're in a divide right now. Damn, on one hand, my community is being torn apart. I got kids. How am I going to raise my kids in this? How do I know a white police officer is going to shoot my kid and kill him before he even gets a chance to tell that police officer who his father is and what his father does? Talk to them. But understand, though, too, what a police officer goes through is absolutely no excuse for them not to have discipline and discernment to make sound decisions. People's lives are in their hands. People's lives are in their hands. They've got to make better decisions than what they are doing now. It's uncalled for and it's been happening for too long. That's why we mad. That's why we frustrated. That's why we go downtown and rip everything up in sight. Because we frustrated. It's been happening for too long. America wasn't built for black people to be successful. We're free by accident. If that was the case, they would have wrote in something for us when they made their will called the Declaration of Independence in 1776. We was picking cotton. We was getting, we was getting lynched. We was getting whipped. We was getting raped. Guys, please use your head. I'm not saying anything that we're doing right now is wrong. I understand it. But use your head. I love it. I love being black. I love it. I, I think I'm the cream of the crop. I love it. I done been through all of this, and we still out here being resilient. We still showing perseverance. I come from the top of the line. I'm telling you. 
We built them pyramids. We built the Sphinx. We did all of that. We built this country. We had the science, the agriculture, the math, the hieroglyphics. We had all of that, man. But it's America's job to kill what they fear. And what they don't understand, they fear. So they kill what they don't understand. But I'll tell you one thing, though. They understand our value. And that's what they fear. That's what they fear right there. The fact that we're going to understand how important we are. How high our value is. How as soon as we touch something, you can't name some a black person that didn't touch that, that he hadn't dominated, man. I don't care if it's baseball, golf, tennis, acting, rock and roll. Elvis was not the first rock and roll person, man. Rosetta Tharp had that way before, man. Chuck Berry had that way before, man. Two black people that Elvis copied off of and started doing their moves and singing the way they, they were singing. Now he all of a sudden the king of rock and roll, man. See how much stuff is fake in America that they try to feed us these little lies? I love y'all, man. I'm out. Peace.